This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, tonight we're going to, my title is uh, Jesus Our Provider. I'm really excited about this because uh, it's a nice topic, right? <laughs> How many of you have ever needed Jesus to be your provider? Maybe some of you still need for Jesus to be your provider. Actually, from here on in, we're going to need Jesus as our provider. Amen. Hallelujah. Open up your Bibles to uh, John chapter 6. And if you're following along with uh, the High Desert Word Center uh, scripture readings for the month, this was our verse for today. Verse says for the day, our chapter for the day, John 6. Let's look at, uh, start at verse uh, 4. 4, right? 4. It says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So it was on Jesus' heart that he's got a multitude of people that are there, and they're going to have to have food. Do you guys ever need food? Amen. You need food. Your kids need food. God made us so that, you know, every day we eat several times a day, right? (laughs) So it was on Jesus' heart. What are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? That's what he said to Philip. But Jesus said this to test Philip. For Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Amen. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So right away, Philip's thinking in his mind, right? Philip's trying to reason it out with his own mind. How are we going to do this? So when you're in a situation, when you have a need, do you sit there and try to figure it out with your own mind? How can we do this? How can we get this done? How can we pay this bill? You try to reason it out. You try to figure it out with your own mind. Same way Philip's doing here. How are we going to do this? All we've got is 200 whatever, you know, denarii, whatever. That's worth of bread, he said, and that's not enough for them. And then verse 8 says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Verse 10, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. So there were 5,000 men there. A bunch of them probably had wives. They didn't have birth control back then, so they probably had about 10 kids apiece. You know what I'm saying? So there was a bunch of people there besides just 5,000 men. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them among the disciples and the disciples to those that were sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted, as much as they wanted, thou hast eaten and art full, bless the Lord thy God. When thou hast eaten and art full, bless the Lord thy God. They ate till they were full. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments. They even had leftovers. How many of you women love leftovers? I love having leftovers. That means no cooking the next day, right? (laughs) Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. 
Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So just by the fact that Jesus multiplied all that food, those standing around thought, Hey, you know, this is the prophet that we've been waiting for. This is the prophet that we're believing for just because of the fact that he multiplied the food. Now, does Jesus still do that today? Yes, he does. I have an excellent example. When Pastor and I were first married, um, I had some leftover spaghetti. That was going to be our supper for him and whoever was living in the house at the time. We had various kids from, you know, one to six or seven or eight that lived in the house at the same time. So, you know, I don't know how many kids were in the house. But we had that much spaghetti left in that pan. Well, his brother and his wife showed up and their son. And uh pastor says, I could have shot him. Pastor said, why don't you guys stay for dinner? Women, have you ever, has your husband ever said, why don't you stay for dinner? And you're thinking, shut up. <laughs> you know, so what do you, husband, expect on feeding these people? So, you know, I was gracious and I thought, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So I went into the kitchen and there's my pot of spaghetti. And I said, Lord, please multiply it. And I dished it out, 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 and there was still left over by the time company had left that night. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he'll do today, and he'll do tomorrow. Jesus is our provider. You know, there's there's uh, several names for the Lord. I think there's like seven of them. And one of them is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means God, my provider. That's just one of his names. That talks about the character of God. He is a provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You know, in Genesis, the Lord provided the Israelites with man and quail, right? And then the idiots, instead of being thankful, they started griping and complaining. But, hey, let's not be too hard on them because, you know, you know yourselves. When we're eating the same thing day in and day out, we start to gripe too, right? We shouldn't gripe. We should be thankful. Amen. Also, in Genesis, Moses got water out of a rock. And all for all of us desert dwellers, we know how important water is. Now, when you come from Indiana, we don't understand that until you come out here. Because in Indiana, you've got streams and lakes and rivers everywhere. I remember one time we went back to Indiana and I thought, man, there's too much water out here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, oh, hallelujah. So it doesn't matter how bad things may appear in your life financially. And I've got a few stories I want to share with you. So back in 1984, how many of you were not born in 1984? A few of you weren't even born in 84. Yeah, okay. Patrick was laid off. He got laid off of his job. We were not in the ministry then. We had Jason and Ben, my two boys, uh, Tina and Tammy. His two girls lived with their mother, and Joshua was a baby, little tiny Joshua. He was just a little fella. <laughs> and he was a plump little boy, and he used to like to take off his diaper and run around the house with nothing. <laughs> and Julie says he still does. So that's a lesson in child rearing. Whatever your kid does when they're little, they, that's what they're going to be like, okay? But before we were married, Pastor had purchased a 1981 Oldsmobile Delta Royale uh, diesel. It was a brand new car. 
His car payment when I married him was higher than my house payment. Um, so the year that the year you can look it up, <laughs> guys, when you get home in the car stuff, 1981 Oldsmobile Delta Royale year was a lemon. It was a bad year. It was the first year that they had made diesels. And although the car was brand new, it sat in our driveway looking very, very pretty. But it went nowhere. It had a blown engine and it had a blown transmission. So how would you like that? A blown engine and a blown transmission plus he's laid off. Um, from that experience, we learned to buy our car uh Save money and buy our car. We don't go buy car on payments. Let me tell you something. There's such a thing as presuming the future. Now listen to me. You're going to learn something. You cannot presume the future. Just because you have your X amount of dollar job today does not necessarily, to make all your fancy car payments, does not necessarily mean that you're going to have your X amount of dollar job tomorrow. Which means your car gets repossessed. Which means you get bad credit and all that junk. Okay? So never presume upon the future. So Pastor and I learned from that that if we want a vehicle, we save our money and we pay cash for it. It's not impossible. When I first heard about you being able to do that, I thought, oh, I'll never be able to do that. But you know what? It's not that hard. Um, Pastor has money automatically withdrawn from our paychecks every week. We never see it. And it goes into a savings account for us. And so when we need something, you know, it's there. So in the meantime, we're saving money. We're going to buy a new tr- We're not a new truck. We're going to buy a truck. So, um, you know, our vehicles may not look as nice as yours, but, but they're paid for. And we don't have a burden with them. Amen. And we don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to impress you. Okay. Back in the day, it was, you know, you know, if you didn't have money, if you didn't have new stuff, then you were, you didn't have any faith. But that's not so. You know, it just meant that there were a lot of stupid people walking around that were, were in debt. See what I'm saying? But God is our provider. So there sat that fancy car in the, in the driveway. And so, uh, didn't have a job. So we thought, well, I'll go down and apply for food stamps. First time I'd ever done that. But they wouldn't give us food stamps. You know why? Because we had that fancy car sitting in the driveway. You know that new vehicle sitting in the driveway that was supposed to be worth a lot of money that wouldn't go anywhere, that had a blown transmission and a blown engine? So we couldn't get food stamps. So, we learned to live by faith. And when I look back on that now, I am so thankful that I didn't get food stamps. I'm not putting condemnation on anybody if they're on food stamps. but, But for us, we learned to live by faith. We couldn't afford health care. We learned to live by faith. We learned that Jesus was our healer. We learned to live by faith. We learned to live by faith for everything. And, you know, I didn't realize it back then, but that was training God for what we do as pastors. Because you have to believe for your household. We have to believe for our household and the church. But we learned to live by faith, and we learned to walk by faith, and we learned that Jesus is our provider. Jesus is your provider. And sometimes you may not you may stop looking for a quick way out of stuff and just start relying on Jesus. He's going to provide your every needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
At one time when uh, Josh and David and Annie and Joe were little, this was seven years later, I applied for WIC, and I did get that. WIC's a good thing. Great program, but I clearly remember the day I was in the WIC office. I sat down at this woman's desk, and Josh and David, little stink pots, were under the desk. And when I got up to leave, they had tied this woman's shoes together. I was so embarrassed. Look at these little innocent people with their red faces. Aren't they darling? Yes, they are so cute. Have your kids ever done anything to embarrass the tar out of you? I tell you what. Oh, man. I can't believe they did that to this day. What possessed you? <laughs> oh, boy. That's part of their testimony. Okay. You've been delivered from tying people's shoes together, right? Uh, okay, hallelujah. But you know what? We never starved. We always had a roof over our heads. And I could tell you horror stories about some of the roofs we had over our heads, but you don't have, we don't have the evening time to, to, to talk about that. That's another subject for another day, right? <laughs> the snake houses. Okay. So although you may not be eating, uh, filet mignon or, or living at the Ritz Carlton, you will still eat. And you will have a roof over your head. Philippians 4.19 in the Amplified says, He liberally supplies and fulfills our every need. Liberally. You like that word liberally? That means a whole bunch. He liberally supplies and fills to the full our every need. Regular says, God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I like the liberally supplies and fills to the full our every need. You like that one better? I like that one better. So our God is the God of provision. Our God supplies all of our wants. Our God also fulfills all of our desires. God is the one that provides your jobs. You need to be thankful for your job. I remember one day I was at the Walmart. Some gal was griping. She said, she was griping. She just got the job at the Walmart. She was making 15, 17 bucks an hour. And she was griping because she'd been on her feet for two hours. And I said to her, you know, my first job paid 32 cents an hour. <laughs> I said, you know, you ought to be thankful you've got a job. You need to be thankful for your job. If things are going bad on your job, take authority over it. Bind the devil before you go to work every day. Amen. It's up to you. When you walk into that workplace, Jesus walks into that workplace. So when you walk in there, Jesus walks in there. So you say, Satan, you're not operating in here today. Amen. So you just take authority over it. You lose the peace of God, the love of God around. Everybody's getting along. No strife, nothing, none of that stuff. You, know, you just got to take authority over that stuff. Look at Psalms 23.1. If you don't know the 23rd Psalm, you ought to know it. You ought to teach it to your children. My beautiful mother, whose birthday... Would have been tomorrow. I don't remember how old she would have been. She was born in 22. What's that make her? Would have made her 98. She would have been 98 tomorrow. Taught me the 23rd Psalm when I was a little girl. She also taught me the Lord's Prayer. 23rd Psalm. This is so awesome. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's no reason for you to have to want for anything if God is your provider. Amen. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word also says you receive not because you ask not. And I remember back in the day when we had 100 kids, and that's slight exaggeration. Some days it felt like 100 kids. <laughs> Especially when they embarrassed you with tying people's shoes together and stuff like that. <laughs> I, have a, I had a journal. I mean, I still have journals. But I would write in the back of my journal, Lord, the kids need school shoes. The kids need school clothes. La, la, la. Thank you for supplying, Lord. Thank you. And then the Lord would supply. Now, you can't go around telling God how he's going to supply you. Don't you dare put God in a box. You know, you can have the money to go buy stuff yourself. Um, somebody can give you the money or somebody can give you the stuff. It's, he's still the provider, right? doesn't matter how he does it, just the fact that he does it. And then when he would supply, I would cross that off. I would put a checkpoint. Thank you, Lord. And I would write down the date that it came about. See, you need to keep track of the stuff that God does for you. Because we're like the Israelites. We forget. We forget what God does for us. But if we write it down, if we keep a record of it, on this day, God did this for me. Amen. We need to, we need to always remember the things that God does for us. Okay, he also supplies our desires. I remember I was in here one day and little old Jose Madero, some of you don't remember. How many of you remember Jose Madero? Long time ago, sweet little old man. And uh, he used to dance up here. He was a little Hispanic fellow and he had beautiful white hair and he'd come up here and he'd dance. You remember him, Chuck? He was just awesome. And uh, one day he said to me, oh, I know God will supply all of our our needs, but he won't supply our desires. I said, wait a minute. So look at Psalms 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, what are the desires of your heart? I'll tell you my, my orchard story. It must have been 40 some odd years ago. I prayed and, you know, one of my popcorn prayers, you know, like I prayed for the chickens that day. Lord, I sure would like to have some chickens. And and uh, <laughs> that was so funny. That day we were over at the office and Jesse and Desiree were over there and somebody was horsing around at the front gate over here, which was locked. And I said, Jesse, I said, go see what they want over there. So he went over there and he came back and he says, I don't know, Mrs. Pastor, but they're throwing chickens over the fence. So anyway, 40-some-odd years ago, I prayed for an orchard, and I forgot about it. When we lived in Indiana, we had a, a little little tiny little orchard. It had like six apple trees in it, or, or four trees and a couple of pear trees, something. And I thought that was my orchard. So we bought this place out in Hinkley. I mean, where are we living? Newberry Springs. Bought this place out in Newberry Springs, and it happens to have a pistachio orchard on it. So we did not buy the place for the orchard. You know, it just happens to be there. And because pistachio trees can live hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and because I drive by dead pistachio trees every day on my way to and from town, I decided I, I want to take care of this orchard. So I was working out in the orchard last year, and out of nowhere the Holy Ghost said to me, this is your orchard. And I about fell on my face in the sand in the orchard with awe and reverence for the Almighty God that remembered my popcorn prayer from 40-some-odd years ago. What a faithful God we serve. 
I, that still I just, I just chills just run down me every time I think about it. See, we serve a faithful God, and he loves us so much that he provides. Not only does he provide, but he doesn't forget. He does not forget us. I forgot all about it. I'm, I'm, I promise, I forgot all about it. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost says that to me. This is your orchard. And all of a sudden, it flooded back to my memory the day that I threw up that prayer to the Lord. Lord, I sure would like to have an orchard. And I forgot. But he remembered. God is faithful. God is our provider. So all my life, I've loved the country and country living. And um, I remember my whole life when we would drive by a place that was lined with trees and had a white fence out front and, and a kind of a long driveway and you couldn't see the property from the road, you know, and there'd be a gate or something around it. And I think, boy, I, uh, maybe you could see a corral and horses or something back there. And I'd say, boy, Lord, I'd love to have a place like that. Rich people must live there. I think, oh, Lord, that that's so beautiful. And I would think there's no way in the world I would ever have a place like that. So, you know, we just, you know, as I grew up, it was the same thing. You know, ever since I was a kid and as we grew up, it was the same old thing. I always, I always thought that's so beautiful, so beautiful. How can anybody afford that? So Pastor and I got married, blah, blah, blah. We kept on serving Lord, you know, faithful and little, faithful and much, doing stuff. In 2006, when we were in, we came here in 2005, no, it was 2009, we purchased the house on First Street. We lived across the street from the high school. We paid $50,000 for that house. Huh? 50, I said 50, didn't I? $50,000 for that house. It was a bank repo. See Nadine Mumford, she has the deals. So, I mean, even back then, $50,000 was nothing. And when we sold that property back in 2019, right, we made a lot of money off of that house. A lot of money. So it was God's will. I mean, we're not in the money-making real estate business. You know, that's the farthest thing from our mind. We don't think along those lines. We're busy serving God, you know. But God's busy helping us. So it wasn't by chance or accident that we bought this place for $50,000 and sold it for a whole bunch more that I'm not going to name because the guy that bought it may be listening. (laughs) But we made a lot of money on that house. And we lived there for nine years. And then this Proverbs 31 woman, if you read Proverbs 31, says she considers a field and buys it. So about that time, my mom passed away and she left me a considerable amount of money as well. So we took the money that we made off of First Street and we took uh, part of the money from my mom's inheritance and we made a huge down payment on this property out in Newberry Springs. And so now I drive by, I drive up to that place. That place is tree lined. That place has got a white fence out front. You can't really see back to where the house is at unless you strain really good. If you look really close, you can see a white corral. You can see a horse in it. And I think to myself, rich people must live there. That rich people's me. That rich people's him. Amen. God is our provider. God supplies all of our needs. He supplies all of our wants. He supplies all of our desires. He remembers 40-year-ago prayers. What an awesome God we serve. 
And I hope you all come out there on on a Harvest Fest night next Friday night from 6 to 9. And you will be amazed at the beauty of this place if you haven't already seen it. It's beautiful. And it's even more beautiful than we bought it because when we bought it, it needed a lot of work. Hallelujah. And when you go up to the place, you have to have a you have to have a gate opener to open the gate. Which wonderful Chuck put in for us. Thank you, Chuck. Because it had a gate, but you would get out in the windstorm. <laughs> you get out in the windstorm and you're blow- the wind's blowing like crazy and the dirt's in your hair, the sand's in your hair, and you're trying to get the gate open, you know. So we thought, oh, man, we need a gate open. You know, we need an automatic gate thing. So we've got an automatic gate thing. Hallelujah. Do I feel like a, a wealthy woman? You better believe it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke Luke one thirty seven says, Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I wanna I wanna I wanna just throw in a couple things here. If you have never been to Financial Peace University, whenever things clear up around this you know, this mess we're in. Josh and Julie will start Financial Peace University classes again. We show those about four times a year. Last nine weeks, right? Nine weeks. You need to learn how to handle your money. First thing you need to do is tithe, no matter how much or how little money you've got. You need to tithe 10% of your gross income, whatever it is that you've got coming in. Whatever comes in, mail, work, you know welfare, whatever it is, you need to tithe off of that. Bring it into the storehouse. And I want to tell you something else, too. You know, um, back when we had our brood of children, we sure could have used it, but we never got it. It was, uh, what is this child credit thing, you know, and if you've got so many kids in the house, you get a bunch of money, you know. And then uh, we've had a stimulus thing, you know, a few months ago. All you folks that are renting a house, when you get money like that, you need to save it. You need to save it. Because think about how old your kids are. All these years, if you'd have saved that money, you could have bought yourself a house. Now, let me tell you how important that is for you to own your own house. Number one, it's the American dream. The great United States of America. Capitalism. Okay? It's the American dream that you have your own house. Why is that important? It's important because why should you pay Joe Schmo over here rent to pay off his house when you can be saving money and buying your house for $50,000 and make a slew of money off of it? You got me? You got that? Think about it. And if you don't know how to do any of that stuff, When Financial Peace University is offered again, you be the first to sign up. And you be the first to be early at those classes because you're going to learn a lot. Josh and Julie went through how much money? How much money did you pay off in 13 months? $27,000 they paid off in 13 months. $27,000 of debt. What? Yeah, and he was working at Wendy's. You started at Wendy's. You want to come up here and say something about all that? Come here. Is God your provider? Come here, you. Put your two cents worth in here. All right. Well, um, something that the Lord uh, sort of revealed to me is uh, we've all 
uh, are familiar with the parable of the talents. And that's the story where a rich man went away on a trip and he entrusted his three servants with different amounts of money. Um, and, you know, one of them, like, had ten talents, doubled the money. The one had uh, two and doubled his. And then there was another one who had one talent. And he was afraid he'd mess up, so he just buried it in the sand and, do it, and didn't do anything with it. And so uh, what what that story spoke to me uh, is that, you know, it's good. Tithing and giving's important. That's the number one thing. But the next most important thing is that you have to be wise with how you handle your money if you want God to bless you. And so um, what Mom's talking about is yeah, whenever Julie and I got married, I, I got a job at Wendy's, which is another story. I just wanted to hang out with my buddies, even though I had a college degree. Side note, if you have your college degree and you can get a better job, don't work at Wendy's just for the sole fact of hanging out with your buddies. But, um, so, yeah, yeah. So I was working uh, there, and uh, that's about the time uh, Julie and I discovered Financial Peace University. And we had been as dumb with money as you could be. I mean, like, you know, we would decide to go out to dinner, and I'm working at Wendy's making minimum wage, and we'd go to the nicest restaurant in town and put it on our credit card. And so within just a couple months, we had like $27,000 of stupid debt, like from like going out to the fanciest restaurants because we lived in Denver at the time and stuff. And so uh, Julie introduced me to this Financial Peace University. And so we started taking it and we learned that, okay, we're going to have to get out of this debt. And so uh, I'm making minimum wage. We put it down on paper. We're like, okay, this is going to, it's not going to be fun, but making this little amount, um, It's going to take us like four or five years, but we're going to do it. We're just going to buckle down and do it. And no sooner had we started, um, I got tired of working when he saw I put in it, and I got a nicer job. And uh, we started paying off debt. Okay, okay, maybe it'll take, instead of five years, it'll take us, uh, you know, three or four years. And within a couple of months uh, of being there, I I actually wrote it down the other day uh, because I was trying to remember my testimony, like Mom was saying. Within a couple months of being at my new job, uh, I got a raise. I so like, cool, cool. Maybe it's, you know, two, three years instead of three to four. And within a, about a year of being at my job or so, uh, I got a big raise, like almost like double what I was making. And we were able to pay off all of our debt uh, within 14 months when we originally t- think in five years. And um, where it comes back to the parable of the talents is if God would have given us that big blessing, before I handled it wisely, instead of being $27,000 in debt, I'd probably be $100,000 in debt. Because I would have just, uh, you know, it's funny, some, uh, she keeps talking about Financial Peace University, um, which is Dave Ramsey's class. One of his quotes he says is that most people celebrate a $300 raise with a $500 car payment. And that's what me and Julie would have done. We would have gone out, been way up into our debt, and God could not pour that blessing on our lives until we learned how to handle our money wisely. And it's blessed us so much. That's why we always uh, offer the financial peace class. If anybody ever wants to come talk to us about it, we'd be glad to sit down with you, help you do a budget, help you figure out a plan. I know a lot of people have already uh, been out of it, but have been through the class with us. But to this day, Julie and I have no debt. We pay, like mom and dad, we pay cash for our cars. We do not do car payments no matter what, I would ride a bicycle before I would have a car payment, personally. But um, 
we have no debt and our house, just like mom's, uh, our house is a nice house that's worth a little bit more now, but within probably five years, my house will be paid off. I will know, owe uh, no money to anybody. Like the Bible says in Romans, owe no man anything except to love him. And that's Julia, my goal. And we will be there within probably five years, hopefully quicker, Lord willing. But um, the Lord couldn't have done any of this in our life, though, if we hadn't learned how to handle money God's way. He's not just going to throw money in your lap so you can go out and, and act like a knucklehead. Even if you are tithing and giving, he'll bless you to an extent. But he's not going to throw a bunch of money in your lap if you're not going to do it right. So, Hey, hey, didn't you, did, didn't you just get an 80% pay raise? Yeah, I just got another, uh, you want me to tell that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my job, my job situation, uh, has just been a huge blessing. Uh, so I had that nice job in Denver and we decided we were going to move out to, uh, California, um, to help mom and dad in the ministry. And, uh, when we were getting ready to move, I was, I was just figuring, you know, I'll come out here and get a job at the base or whatever, you know, like everybody else does in town or the railroad. Uh, but, um, I told my boss, uh, in Denver, hey, I'm getting ready to move to California. If you like my work and you want me to keep working for you, give me, send a laptop with me and I'll, I'll, uh, keep working for you. And he's like, well, that's not something we do, but I like you a lot. Let me talk to my manager. So he did. And, uh, I was, at the time, I was the only one working remote for this uh, entire department. And I still work uh, remote to this day, despite all the COVID stuff. Um, but I was on like a uh, three-year contract, uh, which expired uh, a couple years into me being out here. And so they kept extending it uh, one year or six months, I think, at a time. And so uh, after like two or three, four years of them extending it, he's like, Josh, he's like, my management won't let me do this anymore. He's like, We've extended you like eight times past your original three-year contract. He's like, they're good. they're making me let you go. Uh, and so that was actually uh, about a year and a half ago when we were pregnant with Joaquin. So that uh, so that really stinks. My wife's getting ready to have our third kid, and they're getting ready to let me go. And so uh, it was crazy. Um, I just felt this weird sense of peace in my heart, like. Um, you know, normally you'd be freaking out there, and so I felt like I didn't need to do anything at all. Like, I didn't need to get my resume ready or anything, and which is a weird thing. And so I keep expecting the Lord's going to come back, you know, and say, you know, never mind, you get to keep your job or whatever. But that's not happening. So there's about a couple days uh, before I'm going to be laid off, no job at all. I'm like, i got to do do something and so uh i called one of the clients that i supported for my job i'm like hey i know i've been supporting you guys for for several years uh he's like he's like he's like quit talking quit talking he's like he's like your company's not allowed to lay you off unless they talk to me but it's a big corporation and so uh if they do lay you off they can't hire you back for 90 days but he's like what i'm going to have them do is i'm going to have the uh Hire you to work directly for me for 90 days, and I'll bump your pay like 50% or something. And he's like, after that 90 days, I want you to go back for them just because I don't want to have to 
have all the extra paperwork, having an employee. And when you go back to them after 90 days, they'll bump your pay another 50%. So I went with basically no resume, nothing, not doing anything other than just sitting back and listening from being laid off to getting my pay bumped. Like I remember Julie and I had been thinking, you know, uh, for the past couple of years, because I, I was still making the same amount that I'd been making uh, since before we had kids. Since I was on a contract, I was, hadn't been getting like annual raises. So by this time, we had, you know, three kids and we kept thinking, Lord, if we could get like five or ten percent, that would be that'd be a really nice raise. And then we could, you know, take care of our kids a little bit better. And so without us doing anything, I, it was like an 80 percent raise It went from overnight being laid off to 80 percent raise. And now uh, I'm still in that job to this day. I've been in there and my boss was talking to me the other day. He thinks he might have another promotion coming at some point. So, yeah, but back to the parable of the talents. If I was a knucklehead with my money, the Lord could not give this to me. He doesn't. The Lord can't bless stupid. So. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to say this because we're on the air, but Josh works for a huge corporation. And I and he's and I tell him he's the chief CEO of that corporation in Barstow. So you can ask him later who he works for. Amen. So let's close with Matthew chapter six. Don't you love that story? I just love God. He's so awesome, man. Okay, Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 25. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, all of you sitting out there tonight, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Excuse me, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of ye of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But... This is how you get it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. 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 Come on, Pastor Dave. Come on down. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.